Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Medium Vote Podcast. Today is December the 16th, 2020, halfway through December 2020. Can you believe it? Uh, that was a rhetorical question. You almost answered it, though. Uh, can you believe it? Oh, yes, I can believe it, but I can also <laughs> wait for you to introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. And this is the Media Boat Podcast, as I mentioned. If you don't know what that is, the Media Boat Podcast is a podcast that brings you news and thoughts. A little crack there. <clears throat> uh, news and thoughts about movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Episode 258. Um, last week's episode almost did not go up because <laughs> I forgot to <laughs> turn it up. I forgot to hit submit after it was loading because it was loading and then it uh, went to go eat and I forgot to hit upload. Nice going. Submit, so. Nice going. It, it's up now. <laughs> it made it. Um, good thing that we can uh, future and backdate these things. So. Good thing. That worked to our favor. Good thing. Uh, but yes, episode 258, and we have a lot to get to, so let's not waste any time. Yes! Let's get straight to And we always start the show with movies. Skipping box office, because, you know, the story about that. No movies are coming out for the rest the of the is year. The Croods is your number one movie, unless you are not going to the movies. Yes, which is ideal Highly right recommended. Now. Highly recommended. Um, and we start with movie news in that case, moving right into the first story here, which is about the annual tradition of movies entering the National Film Registry. So, so this year, films. oh, yes, yes, I feel like that's a given. <laughs> classic films slash important films. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, every year the Library of Congress announces an annual list of 25 movies to add to the film registry. This year, out of the 25 movies, there's a record number of films directed by women, including Catherine Bigelow's Oscar winner, The Hurt Locker, 1913 silent film Suspense, co-directed by Lois, Lois Weber, 1918 silent pick Bread from Ida Mae Park, 1929's With Car and Camera Around the World from Aloha Wanderwell, Ida Lupino's 1950 drama Outrage, Julie Dash's student film Illusions about Hollywood racism, 1994's The Devil Never Sleeps by Lourdes Portillo, and 2006's Monarchia Temple Under Siege, co-directed by Joan Lander. The Librarian of Congress, Carla Hayden, said, With the inclusion of diverse filmmakers, we are not trying to set records, but rather to set the record straight by spotlighting the ast astonishing contributions women and people of color have made to American cinema, despite facing often overwhelming hurdles. The list also notably shines a spotlight this year on diverse stories and filmmakers, including Wayne Wang's 1993 The Joy Luck Club, 1963's Lilies of the Field, for which Sidney Poitier became the first African-American to win the Oscar for Best Actor, Melvin Van Peebles' 1971 Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, 2010 documentary Freedom Writers, and 1982's Losing Ground from Kathleen Collins. These will be added alongside America's most influential motion pictures, uh, including The Dark Knight, Shrek, Grease, Blues Brothers, Clockwork Orange, and The Man with the Golden Arm. What an eclectic bunch of movies that is. 
This film, uh, this year's list brings number of films selected for preservation to the registry to 800. A good round number there. Turn Classic Movies will host a television special about this from 8 p.m. Eastern on December 15th. So that was yesterday. That's already passed. Started yesterday. Still going on. Ah. Um, they're just showcasing their movies in their uh, arsenal. But yes, lots of women, lots of notable contributions yeah. to this list. And some deep cuts, too. I mean, we went to film school, and I didn't recognize some of those. I recognize some of those names, like Ida Lupino, but yeah, I haven't seen most of those. So yeah, good on them. Yeah. Also, um, this is never like you have to extend to a certain point. It can go as far back as, as we saw, 1918. Right. 1913 silent films. And as recent as The Hurt Locker. Um, So it goes to show you that that span of time is getting bigger, which is good. Alrighty, let's move into our second story here, which is, of course, about Disney, because we're the Media Boat Podcast. Well, It's always week, about Disney. Last week, we did note that the Disney Investors Meeting was going to happen the next day. So, you know, instead of taking your advice and just recording the next day, <laughs> we decided to just say, we're going to talk about this next week and let the news come out and then have our thoughts on it. So and the news did come out, let me tell you. So last Thursday it was quite a day. It was the video it was the game awards and this happening at the same time. And so I had a friend of the show, Christy, on the phone with me watching the beginning of the show, like while I was watching the beginning of the game awards. I'm trying to absorb the game awards. She's reading off a bunch of people talking about the Disney announcements, and I'm just <laughs> like, this is an overwhelming news drop right now. But thankfully, we have a nice recap for you. Uh, thanks for doing the legwork for this because I actually haven't been able to look at this news yet. So yeah, and yes, I, I know it's been a week, a week, and I still haven't seen all of it. Yeah, I went back and watched the six-hour stream of it Whew. to Jinx. jot down and sparse out what belonged to Disney Plus mm-hmm. and what belonged to theatrical releases and anything they're considering movie-worthy. Yeah. Sorry, my camera went out of focus and it's not auto-focusing. Anyways, um, so here's the list of what's happened, what happened at this, what got announced at this meeting here. While a number of films meant for theatrical release will be made available on Disney+, Plus, as we predicted last week, they're not completely shutting out theatrical releases. Raya and the Last Dragon, which is, I believe, the next uh, Disney animation uh, film. Yes, Raya. Um, yes, Raya, Raya, whatever, uh, will be available at Disney Plus Premier Access, aka Mulan style, the same day as it is in theaters on March 5th, 2021. In Kento, Disney's 60th animated film, set in Columbia, will release fall 2021. That one's directed by Byron Howard and Jared Bush, the people who brought you Zootopia, and original songs by Lynn manuel Miranda will be featured in that one. James Mangold will be directing the final Indiana Jones film, finally, slated for July 2022. Patty Jenkins will be directing a new film called Rogue Squadron, yes, like the video games, uh, in the Star Wars universe for Christmas 2023. The movie version of The Jungle Cruise, which has been uh, pushed and pushed and delayed and delayed from its original date sometime this year. um, Summer this year. Yeah into uh blah, 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 i lost my place july 2021 yep 
Uh, Moonlight's own J- Barry Jenkins is directing a prequel for The Lion King. I mean... Because billion-dollar movie. Yeah, I mean, of course. Uh, Rob Marshall will be directing a live-action adaptation of The Little Mermaid. Um, Picard. Uh, Pixar. <laughs> Auto-correct. Auto-correct. Thank you. I was like, Captain Picard is involved with this somehow. Uh, Patrick Stewart himself. No, um, Pixar. Uh, they announced a couple of things. Soul, of course, premieres on Disney Plus Christmas Day. But their next film, Luca, will hit theaters in June 2021. They also have two films set for 2022. Turning Red, the story of a coming-of-age uh, a coming of age story about a girl who turns into a giant red panda, which yeah. sounds cute. And Lightyear, which is a Buzz Lightyear origin story starring Chris Evans. And as was memed endlessly on Twitter, Chris Evans wants you to know, it is not the story of the toy, it is about the real Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Yes, um, as Pixar put it, in the Toy Story universe, Buzz Lightyear was this basically big movie event that caused Buzz Lightyear, the toy, to exist and all the Buzz Lightyear products that we saw, the bed sheets, the calendars, the walls, the lunchbox, all of that to exist. So what was that film that caused this mania of Buzz Lightyear things? This is that film. Yes, this is that. This is just as Chris Evans tried to explain on Twitter. (laughs) Um, Next up, of course, after Pixar is Marvel, the other big subsidiary under Disney. They wrapped up everything. And they, yeah, they answered a lot of unanswered questions. They have officially set the date back for Black Widow to next May, May 7th, 2021. Mm -hmm. Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings will be July July 9th, 2021. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will be March 25th, 2022. The third Spider-Man film, I refuse to call it Spider-Man 3, that is a movie that already exists. Well, uh, we'll be yet to give a title for it. <laughs> I know. We'll be, call, uh, we'll be in December of 2021. Eternals will be November 5th, 2021. Thor Love and Thunder will be May 6th, 2022. Black Panther 2 will be July 8th, 2022. A quick note about Black Panther 2. They officially announced that they will not be recasting um, the role played by Chadwick Boseman. Which was previously reported, but Mm -hmm. officially stated by Kevin Feige himself. Officially stated this time. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania uh, will be... Oh, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and Captain Marvel 2 are all confirmed, but not dated quite yet, for 2023. Uh, John Possibly Watts, 2024, but right. most likely 2023. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, John Watts, the director of Spider-Man Homecoming, will be directing an upcoming Fantastic Four film as well for Marvel Studios. So whew, we went off of a year without a Marvel movie to just packed, just full of Marvel movies for the next three years. I think we're going, they're going to four films a year. <laughs> That's May, June, December, November. Yeah. Four films for 2021 and four films for 2022. Yeah. Needless to say, if you missed out on the Marvel stuff, you're not going to miss out for too much longer. Right. And coming off of Endgame, they said they were going to take a break. They did not expect this long of a break. Mm -mm. 
But do note that this does not at any way change their plans that have for Disney Plus stuff. Right. That's completely separate, which we'll get into in TV. Yes, we'll talk about the rest of the Disney stuff, as you said, in television. For now, let's talk about some thoughts. We both watched movies this week, uh, some better than others. <laughs> Why don't okay. you tell me about the one you watched first? Uh, so this falls under the other category. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I watched Safety yeah. uh, on Disney Plus because it's football and it's right there on the front page. And it's like, yeah. This is a movie for you because you like <laughs> football. Yeah. Yes, but it's also not subtle about itself being a recruitment video for Clemson. <laughs> okay. Didn't expect Clemson that. Football. Uh-huh. So, so this is a story about uh, Ray, who is a safety on the uh, as a freshman at Clemson. I think it's Rye. Huh? It's Rye. Ha. <laughs> Ray. <laughs> Sorry. We're even now. Go on. Okay, we're even. <laughs> um, who, like both players, come from a not-so-simple upbringing. And his mother is sent to rehab for 30 days. Um, so he has to take care of his little brother. Note... You can't have unsolicited visitors stay on campus. Mm. Also note, because he's a student athlete, you can't have unsolicited help outside. Otherwise, you lose your scholarship. I got Okay. So this is where your basic story, the bulk of the story comes from, of trying to hide, at first hide his, um, I would say his son, because basically acts like it, his brother, Faye, um, around campus to getting help from the school to for housing outside of campus so they can live together to trying to get the NCA to bend the rules so they can live together and kind of wash over the fact that they received help unsolicited help that matter but help nonetheless okay so by rules, they are in violation per NCAA rules. But the story also goes on to basically say these rules are broken and treat certain athletes unfairly and should not exist in the first place. Which they're right to a certain extent, but they're also, as we've discussed on this podcast, in place for a reason. So <laughs> like Reggie Bush in 2006, you don't give special benefits to say family members in order to curry favor down the line. So the rules are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. This is how they skirt, skirt around said rules. <laughs> skirt, skirt. So I'm torn between you need to follow the rules. Mm -hmm. The rules aren't rules are not necessarily made to be broken, <laughs> but you can bend the rules in certain cases. And this is a, just a huge Clemson promo to where, oh, are you having trouble with family? We, as Clemson, see you as family on the football team and can help uh -huh. you. It's like any other, basically their story will be, any other university, we'd not have been, we would have, they would have been way harsher on these guys. We understood where they were coming from. Right. And because <laughs> he's our freshman 
mm-hmm. future stud safety. We want to make sure we curry favor <laughs> with him and make yeah. him not leave our school. So, so it seems like there's a lot of family drama ha- happening here. A lot of yes. school politics to deal with. Not a lot of actual football. Happening. And I was just going to say, like, that's where I was leading is. So how much of this is an actual like, a sports movie? Because you, you don't get... see him. You see him practice in football a lot. And you see him around uh-huh. his teammates a lot. But not a whole lot but of game. The actual physical playing of football totals to about 10 minutes, if that. Ugh. Yeah. For a movie called Safety, you would expect to see more of the safety. I mean, you do see a lot of the safety, but not him playing safety. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know. That seems just a little disappointing. Is that why you're a little disappointed? That's why I was disappointed. Yeah. Not really a football movie. It's more of a movie about a football player. Yes. And then he goes, why do we have a movie about this football player? When he, as the movie shows at the very end, mm. already got spotlighted on Oprah when she had a show <laughs> back in 2000 when this actually <laughs> happened. Oh, well, there you go. So this is based on a true story. Yes, based on a true story. Got it. Oh, I didn't. I, I thought I didn't need to say that. I mean, I, I assumed, but I, yeah, it might as well say it. <laughs> okay, might as well say it. Based on a true story, <laughs> which Oprah herself spotlighted when she had a TV show back in 2000, mm-hmm. when this actually happened, Got it. Um, the football player, Ray, did not go to the NFL, but rather went to, I think it said, law school. Oh. Huh. Continually oh. help impoverished children. Neat. Yeah. Well, there you go. But so, it kind of gives you some warm and fuzzies, but overall, as an actual mm-hmm. movie, yeah, pass. So just know what you're going in going into if you're going to bother, but maybe don't. Maybe don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Well, I watched a couple of movies. I, uh, you got the Disney Plus... Uh, part but i got the netflix part this week um all right so i've been seeing this being advertised everywhere mm-hmm. uh i think i saw you talk about it a couple times on twitter yeah so it being not the end of the school year <laughs> tell me about prom or uh, I'll, the prom i'll tell you about prom in fact i'll tell you about the prom uh so the prom the prom uh, is a Netflix movie that's an adaptation of a stage musical uh, that was on Broadway pretty much up until uh, it was removed from Broadway um, l- late last year, I want to say. Uh, Broadway expert Christy is not here uh, to tell me the actual dates of this. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a moderate hit. Didn't do as well as they expected to, which is why it's not on Broadway anymore. Um, but uh, they sold some movie rights, and it was originally going to be a theatrical release co-funded by Netflix, but of course, pandemic. Um, and so it's doing both. Um, you can see it in some select theaters where available and it's on Netflix uh, day one. So if you're not familiar, the musical and the film are both about a school that cancels the prom because of controversy over a young girl who identifies as a lesbian, um, wants to bring her girlfriend as her date and is not allowed to. Basically, when giving, given pressure, the PTA decides it's easier just to cancel the prom altogether than to have a prom to, than to allow a same-sex couple at the prom. So footloose with lesbians. So not, you're not wrong, but it's a, they, there's another layer to it. The extra layer to it is that 
some washed up Broadway stars who have just had their show canceled on opening night um, basically see this woman, this girl's cause as a potential PR stunt for them to get involved in. And so they fly to middle and nowhere, uh, Midwest uh, or Southern, maybe Southern. Um, I forget where it is, uh, where it takes place. Uh, high school, basically, to meet this girl and try to fight to get the prom back on. And hijinks ensue. And I mean hijinks because, of course, you have uh, James Corden as a big star in this, who is a very boisterous, uh, he plays a very boisterous gay man, um, even though he's not gay in real life. Um, and uh, you have uh, Meryl Streep being very Meryl Streepy in a uh, like a Broadway veteran kind of role. Um, so yeah, and uh, so you have this the basically the dynamic of two different worlds, right? You have these two stories playing off of each other of these poor washed up uh, Broadway stars just trying to think about someone else than themselves for the first time. And the poor girl who just wants to go to prom with her girlfriend, who's who, by the way, is struggling uh, in this situation because she hasn't come out to her parents yet. So basically, that's the but setup. She wants to go to prom. Yeah. You see a problem here with that? Yeah, exactly. So that there's pressure on her because she doesn't want to necessarily come out quite yet. There's pressure because her parent, her, her mom is also head of the PTA. So she's the prime villain in the story as well. I feel like you would know that your kid wants to take a girlfriend before any of this kind of starts rolling, but and hey. yet, they've been very secretive. There's a literal scene where they meet each other. They literally meet each other under the bleachers, <laughs> which we'll get to meeting people under the bleachers a little later in this podcast as well. Um, but but, but that's, that'll be in the music section. Uh, but yeah. And so like it, it so that's the basic setup for this. And then it's a musical on top of all of this. Uh, the songs are really fun. Um, I enjoyed um, enjoyed the, the, the lyrics. Uh, um, I think it's a really strong soundtrack uh, with maybe a, maybe a couple of duds in it, but some really strong, really emotional songs. Even if you get the high camp of the Broadway actors, you get also that emotional, uh, 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 that emotional uh, heart whenever it's the whenever the it's story focuses on the girl and her girlfriend and their relationship and yeah and and you get that happy ending that you expect uh, at the end um the movie adaptation so it's directed by ryan murphy um and so you can go in basically expecting over the top when you want the over to the top but he can also pull off the drama when he needs to so he ends up being a really good fit here um the only negative thing I would say about it is, and friend of the Christie, friend of the Christie, friend of the show, Christie, who has been talking about this for months now, is that the cast of the original musical are not involved in this production. They recast a bunch of celebrities in their place. So yeah, if you're if you're a fan of the original uh, Broadway recording, and you're going to miss some of the like specific attributes of those characters as they were on stage. That being said, you gain a Meryl Streep and a James Corden because of it. So do they depends. bring do you feel like they bring a little something extra to it then? Um I think Meryl Streep is a little much for the role, as you might imagine. It feels like she's probably too good for what they've given her here. Uh James Corden though I think actually is a perfect fit for that role. Uh some people on the internet are talking about how he shouldn't be in it and that he's not good. I actually thought he did a fine job. 
Uh, he plays a James Corden character. What else can you ask for? Um, and so, yeah, ultimately, I th- <laughs> no cat suit this time. Thank God. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good time. If you like musicals, I think it's worth a shot. Um, and it's a really fun, um, uh, really fun kind of emotionally heartfelt show. So I enjoyed it. It's not gonna, it's not gonna blow anybody away. It's not a, like an amazing, like Oscar-winning kind of musical film. It's just popcorny. Like I want to watch people sing about love and Broadway for an hour and a half. Okay, so that's the prom. I also watched something way worse, uh, which is the Princess Switch <laughs> switched again. Wait, okay, so you can switch them <laughs> once. Yeah, but the end you have to switch them back. So, yes, that was the plot of the first movie, just right. called The Princess Switch. I don't know if you uh, are aware of it. It starred Vanessa Hudgens and Vanessa Hudgens. No. Wait. Okay. No. It came out on Netflix a couple of years ago. Um, right. But you have to do it again? Same so they Hudgens? decided to, and here's the problem with this film, is that they decided to make it. And let me explain what I mean by that. Because this one doesn't even, ha- doesn't only have two Vanessa Hudgens. It has a third Vanessa Hudgens. You can't wait. So what happened to the third Vanessa Hudgens in the first movie then? She was not in the plot of the first movie. They introduce a new Vanessa Hudgens who is a cousin of one of the Vanessa Hudgens. (laughs) Then the twin doesn't work thing doesn't work if it's a cousin. So that's the thing is the way they end up doing it. And this is mild spoiler, but honestly, I'm going to tell you at the end of this not to see this movie. So... I don't care about spoiling it. Right. Um, the cousin is portrayed as being the villain in this film. So the cousin decides, so the, the two, the established Vanessa Hudgens, one is a, uh, about to become queen of her little country. The other is just a baker who's like from humble beginnings. At the end of the first movie, the baker ends up marrying a prince uh, through this kind of chaos that happened. But they switched in the first film and then switched back. In this film, they decide that they're going to switch again to convince uh, the princess that she needs to uh, pick a certain man as opposed to another, the chief of her chief of staff, who is also in love with her. So they've already established that they're going to switch places, right? Well, the cousin has this connive, like, is conniving in the background to steal the queen's, basically steal the queen's place, become the queen instead. So she decides to secretly kidnap and like put like into a like a closet who she thinks is the queen to become the queen instead. Except it's the baker. Except it's the baker because they've already switched. That's how you do the three-way switch. But you're just eliminating (laughs) one of them then. I know. And that is the problem with this movie. We were so confused watching this whole thing. We literally, like, so I was watching this with a friend of the show, Christy, over a phone call, and we were both just trying to figure out, like, wait, wait, which one is this one now? So this is the problem. The Prince and the Popper style Switch movie works the first time, but if you make it more complicated than that, your audience is going to be lost. And that's the problem. Also, on top of that, it's so boring. This, nothing happens in this movie beyond those two scenes that establish the switches. Like, nothing happens. Well, when you do something like that, you also take one of your characters out of the <laughs> equation. Yes, yes. 
It's, don't do that. You don't sideline no. a, a main character from the first film so you can so. introduce new character from the second film. Yeah. So That's anyways, in, anyways, I'll be, so just to wrap up the, the movie thoughts, um, I don't recommend you watch it, even if you thought the first Princess Switch was cute, even if it was kind of lame as well. This one's extra lame and not as cute, so now, don't bother. I have a very particular fascination with Vanessa Hutchins. Uh, then maybe, uh, because there's three of them. Um, so I guess if you really, you just, if you want to look at Vanessa Hudgens for an hour and a half, this is the movie for you. Okay. Then that (laughs) settles that. (laughs) All right. But it's a pass, uh, from me. So to recap, it's a pass on safety. No pun intended there. It's a, it's a stream it for the prom, in my opinion, and a pass on Princess Switch, Switch it again. Um, yeah, I think we're in agreement with that. Yeah, so, I think we're in agreement with ending movies. Then yes, let's move on and talk about television. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. Some major sports stuff happening sports. in the background here. Major sports. First story here, as previously reported, Sarah Fuller, the Vanderbilt kicker, who has uh, been brought in as a backup. Uh, played again this week and in fact made history again by kicking an extra point for the team. So two weeks ago during Thanksgiving, we noted that she was coming in as their new kicker. Mm-hmm. Well, Vanderbilt did not score in that game. So she right. only had one kick, which was a kickoff means she played in that game. Then the second week, they also didn't score, but this week they actually scored. Yeah. And they actually had their kicker back, but because she stuck with them, they had her on the sidelines in case they did score. <laughs> she went out and kicked an extra point. That's great. So, boom, mark it up. Yep, mark it. Officially She's in the stat point. book. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations to uh, Sarah Fuller. Yep. Next up, the Cleveland baseball team <laughs> has announced that they are dro- officially dropping the Indians from their name. They will no longer be the Cleveland Indians, and they will be presumably until further further news, the Cleveland baseball team. Just like the Washington, Washington football, football team. team. Exactly. Uh, I guess they could become the Browns. <laughs> we do not need to establish the Cleveland football Browns and the Cleveland baseball Browns. <laughs> no. Um, we have the, the New York football Giants. Yeah, exactly. And no confused. longer the New York baseball giants. But the right, San the San Francisco baseball giants. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. This is the same kind of thought I had with the, with Washington. Is like, really, you did not have a backup name all of these years, and you did not have a backup name? I think they did have a backup <laughs> name, at least for the Washington. Mm-hmm. But due to trademarks mm-hmm. being filed before them and due to URLs being uh, housed on, <laughs> Yeah. That they could not come to an agreement with whoever was trolling them. That they just <laughs> had to stick with the foot Washington football team. So probably the same thing here, I would imagine, is that they probably are rifling through different trademarks that no, they don't have any of them. Right. But yeah, maybe in 2021, we'll have names for both of those teams. Who can say? <laughs> All right. Next up, your favorite media pope favorite name to say is Giannis Attenta, I already messed up. You do it. Giannis Attenta Tacumpo. 
Thank you. Uh, Batman has signed a five-year, $228 million Supermax extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. So he's not moving, not going anywhere, staying with the Bucks. Nope. And just uh, five years ago, he was a fresh face in the league. Yeah. A fresh face in the United States. So <laughs> That too. It's hard to believe that be- for me because I feel like I, when I hear his name, I still think he's like, that's the new guy. Right, no. <laughs> also, $228 million is exactly one half of Mahomes' contract. <laughs> one half of Mahomes. Actually, no, Zia got $500 million. It's less than half of less than Patrick half. Mahomes' contract. Well, he'll get there, I'm sure. Well, his was also for 10 years, so. Next up, a little update about uh, something we reported a few weeks ago, which is that the SEC college football television rights were being up for grabs. Well, Disney picked them up. ESPN Plus will feature live streaming uh, rights starting with the 2024 uh, season. But oh, nope. uh, yeah, sorry. Got that wrong. But, but let me back up. Television rights will begin with the 2024 season, but ESPN Plus will have special live streaming beginning as early as next season. Correct. Yeah. This was also made during the investors call. And it was like, Makes sense. why is this not bigger news? I oh, mean, yeah. because it got drowned out by all the, st- all the other, other stuff people news. care about. Yes. Yeah. The sports people, I'm sure, saw this as big news. So, yeah, ESPN will be getting college football. Well, they um, already do college football. But but they'll be getting more. The, the, one, <laughs> the one jewel not in their crown was the SEC. Yeah. And now they'll get to broadcast them. So we will get there. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, a uh, good course correction after a year of plenty of course correction from Major League Baseball, as Commissioner Rob Manfred announced Wednesday that Major League Baseball will be elevating the Negro Leagues to Major League status, meaning that all the statistics and records from the 3,400 players who took part in those involved leagues in the Negro Leagues from 1920 to 1948 will be rolled up and put into Major League history and officially be recognized. Yes, they will also be officially added to all stats and records. Yes. This does mean that Babe Ruth officially gets knocked out of the top 10 in batting average. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the reason they chose 1948 is because that was the same year that Jackie Robinson dis- uh, was picked and other players were picked up to play in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. And it was also the last year of the Negro Leagues world series yeah so more or less the the year where the division happened where you didn't need the negro leagues anymore correct right so yeah this is great i think that to to ignore all those players would be wrong and so to roll them into the stats with everybody else makes 100 percent sense i mean why not that's the well, history of major see, league for baseball. the longest time like back in 1969 when it was first created mm-hmm. that they the group of white men there decided not to <laughs> count them right and so you know years later looking at the time <laughs> decide to finally correct said error yeah and that'll be great for all involved mm-hmm. all right anything else in sports before we can safely move on um fantasy football playoffs continue yes they do i move on to the semifinals in the league of record <laughs> that counts congratulations i'm aiming for the trophy which i don't know if you can see this back there probably not but I'm vying for that trophy um, after having scored the highest points in, in the league. And just, I am 
solely focused on that currently that <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things are starting to fall by the wayside as I try and get that championship. Focus. Uh, focus. I am focusing. I'm focusing on that trophy, but you know, there's also like Christmas going on. I got to get mm-hmm. presents like, hey, do this, do that. Like, uh, football. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's hard to focus with all these Disney Plus news as we continue into television news here with yes. the other half of the Disney Plus or the Disney investors meeting stuff. Oh, no, it's, it's fine to call it Disney Plus because yeah. that's all, it's all they Disney focused Plus. on. They didn't focus on the channel. They didn't focus on Disney Channel, Disney XD, mm-hmm. ABC shows. No, it was we're putting all of this on Disney Plus. This is how we're making money through Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. you're going to want Disney Plus because we have all these shows coming. So why would you want Disney Plus? Well, here's what's coming. Disney Plus will receive 10 Marvel, 10 Star Wars, and 15 Disney Pixar series, as well as 15 Disney Pixar feature films. First up, for Star Wars. So you're going to have to explain what these A's and L.A.'s mean. So L.A. is live action and A is animation. Thank you. All right, so there'll be a live-action show based on Ashoka, who I believe was a character from um, the Clone Wars series. Yes, but recently appeared in The Mandalorian, played by Rosario Dawson, who will be the lead in that show. A live-action series called Rangers of the New Republic. Uh, Will will this be about, like, Republic Commandos? Like, like, who precede the um, Stormtroopers? Yes. Okay. And like that, will that also, <laughs> and will also, that timeline will also coincide with the Ashoka, Ahsoka timeline, and uh-huh. they will meet up into a single, I don't know if they're yet to be announced, and uh, combined series or uh-huh. like Disney Plus movie event. But those are concurrent storylines that will eventually converge. Neat. We'll also have a stor- stor- uh, series called Andor, also live action. Uh, this was based off of the Rogue One. Uh, and or the same name. Okay. And Obi-Wan Kenobi live action series. Which was announced at D20. The Bad Batch, which we already knew about, which is an animated series. And I'm so happy this is coming. This is going to be replacing the animated Clone Wars series. Because mm-hmm. that Wars, wrapped up this year. Yeah. Star Wars Visions, also animated. Which, I don't know what that is. Uh, just different stories from around the galaxy. Nothing okay. specific. A live action series about Lando. Uh, no word about whether the stars um, uh, media boat favorite um, Donald Glover, though. It does not. It stars Billy D. Williams. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's uh, old Lando. Yes. Not young Lando. I don't know why old Lando, but sure. Why not? Uh, the Acolyte, also live action. Uh, original story. Not connected to anything, but set in the Star Wars universe. And lastly, for Star Wars, a droid story, an animated story about droids. Yep, uh, starting with R2-D2 and C-3PO and different droids' perspective throughout the Marvel universe. Nice. Moving from Star Wars into Marvel, here's the Marvel shows that are coming to Disney+. Plus. We already know about WandaVision. Uh, Its release date will be January 15th. We already know about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That'll be out on March 19th. We already know about Loki, which will be May 2021. New, new coming is uh, What If, 
uh, late 20, which will be uh, sometime in late 2021. My understanding is that the what if uh, comics are kind of like alternate universe versions of the existing uh, characters. Yes. So this will be that. These are episodic one shots of what if stories. Neat. A uh, series based on Ms. Marvel will be coming late 2021 as well. Ms. Marvel based... will go into Captain Marvel 2 as well. Oh, okay. So that will lead into that. Neat. A, st- a series based on Hawkeye will be coming late 2021. They announced that Haley Steinfeld will be in that as well. Yes, uh, she will be playing Kate Bishop, mm-hmm. who is a current character in Marvel's Avengers video game that yes. has DLC. That's true. We're also eventually getting She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Armor Wars, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Holiday Special, and I Am Grouped. No dates on those, but they're all coming. Nope, they're all they were all announced, or we had already known that they were coming. Mm-hmm. Um, out of all of them, probably Secret Invasion is the one I'm most looking forward to, as that deals mm-hmm. with Nick Fury and the Skrulls. Uh, neat. Okay. And then uh, I did see that the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special will be written and directed by uh, James Gunn. Yes, and it will be shot concurrently with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That makes sense. But it's just going to come out sooner. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the Disney part of the Disney uh, franchises here. Here's ba- basically everything else. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2, the sequel to Hocus Pocus. A remake, I guess, of Three Men and a Baby. Yes, it's a remake uh, starring Zac Efron. Okay, less cocaine this time, I'm assuming. Yes. <laughs> More flour. Less cocaine. A lot of cocaine in that. A lot of cocaine in that movie. Yeah. No, Mike, a lot of Michael people forget Caine about in that movie. Yeah, a lot of not Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine in that movie. A lot of people forget that. Um, Greek Freak, um, starring, uh, which is the story about mute boat favorite Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> well, you he know, was a uh, refugee from from Greece to the U.S. Wow, to play basketball. Look at that full circle. We didn't have to try. <laughs> uh, the Chris Paul Project, which I'm guessing is about. Chris Paul. Yes, about State Farm agent Chris Paul. Ah. ah. Uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, yet another adaptation of Cheaper by the Dozen. Yes. Less, uh, less uh, Steve Martin this time, I'm assuming. A New Night at the Museum. I believe this will be hmm. an animated feature. Okay. Uh, a Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers reboot, which was my favorite news about that came out about this, because the casting is Perfect. John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, directed by Akiva Schaefer of yes. Popstar, Never Stop, Never yes. Stopping. I want to see this so bad already. I just need, I need, I need this. I don't think they needed to say that <laughs> Seth Rogen was going to have a cameo. <laughs> because of course he of course is. He is. <laughs> now I'm thrilled about this. Just the, it's the parts they were born to play. Right. And because it's live action, they... <laughs> to disney well it's live it action like it's gonna be a and Roger rabbit type yeah deal where yeah. cartoons exist with like people real people yeah i can't wait uh also peter pan and wendy uh that is their peter pan makes sense. adaptation okay so the next one requires some clarification so disenchanted this will be a sequel to the film enchanted Yes. 
None related to Disenchantment, which is the Netflix show by the uh, Simpsons creator. Yeah, by Matt Groening. Yeah, I wanted to be clear because I saw this and I was very confused because I often mistakenly called that show Disenchanted. So the fact that there's going to be something also called Disenchanted is very confusing. All the more to muddy the waters. Yeah, you love you love to see it. And lastly, Sister Act Three, a third Sister Act film with Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, you can't you can't do Sister Act Three without Whoopi Goldberg. Then. Last, uh, not lastly, but like uh, moving into Disney animation in the proper, uh, in the proper way of uh, putting it, I guess you could say, um, a lot of spinoffs have been announced to Disney films, such as Baymax, which will be, of course, a spinoff of Big Hero Six, mm-hmm. um, Zootopia Plus, a spinoff of, you guessed it, Zootopia, a series about Tiana from The Princess and the Frog, and a series about Moana from Moana. So internationally, and this is a bit of a, this last bit is a little bit of a follow-up from a previous story that we reported here. They will launch Disney Plus Hot Star in India and Indonesia, along with Star and Star Plus in Canada and European markets. As we previously reported, the Star branding is a branding that has been used in the past for uh, Fox programming that Disney is now using as their streaming moniker in places internationally that they know the star name makes sense um star will house entertainment from as you would guess disney and television studios fx and 21st century fox read the prompt (laughs) yeah so this will so this will as you probably would assume take the place of disney plus and hulu in these markets where neither of them exist yes uh on disney plus there will be a fifth section called star Mm-hmm. which you can access through there and they're going to make sure that it's bundled mm-hmm. disney plus and star yeah um so yeah here in the u.s it's just called hulu for us right this will resolve a lot of issues a lot of people in canada for example have not been able to access any hulu content whatever without a vpn so this will give a lot of them a lot of that stuff over there this uh, may also them. boost vpn sales as you can get content <laughs> outside through disney plus <laughs> perhaps and the last 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 bit in this i uh, just want to mention uh is yes unfortunately disney plus will be going up a dollar uh so what was 6.99 will become 7.99 i believe a month. yes unless you were smart like me and pay for three mm-hmm. years at 150 dollars <laughs> so yeah still though that keeps them way below netflix so oh, yeah and the fact that you're getting all this content that we said here in tv yeah. Plus what we said in movies, in movies for a dollar. It's a good deal, guys. Yeah. Just saying. I'm just saying, if you didn't get Disney Plus last year as a Christmas gift, guess what you're getting this year? <laughs> Disney yeah. Plus. You're ready. It's kind of, you'll get it no matter what. You get it, you like it or not. You get it, you're gonna watch Soul and you're gonna ball your eyes out. Well, we'll see. Okay. All right. You may also get uh, HBO Max if you don't have it and watch Wonder Woman 1984 instead. Yeah. Moving on, there's so much television news this week that we had to cram the rest of them into bits. So let's talk about some TV bits, why don't we? Bits. uh, Bits. Bits. uh, bits. bits. Uh, All right, first up, AT&T has finalized that sale for Crunchyroll to Sony, as we previously reported. So Sony, that uh, first for $1.175 billion dollars, so it will be rolled into Sony's existing Funimation global group. So anime, 
will live with Sony here in the U.S. no matter what anime you want, pretty much. Uh, I just can't wait to, for them to make a dedicated station on the PS5 mm-hmm. and just roll it right into that. Also, yeah. it's about $2 billion shy of what we had, or not $2 billion shy, $200 million shy of what we had originally reported at 1.3. Yeah. But hey, it's still over a billion dollar sale. Right, exactly. It still seems exorbitant uh, for what you're getting. But hey, they must really want to market this this anime. Yep. Uh, next up, a revival of the Nickelodeon show iCarly uh, has been ordered for Paramount+. Plus. Um, the question mark about this is whether or not this has the involvement of, um, let's say... Miranda Cosgrove? Oh, well, no, I wasn't even going to say her. I was going to say, uh, let's say, the embattled Dan Schneider. Uh, No clue whether or not he will benefit from this revival or not, but we'll see. Maybe in name only because... Maybe. Created by... Yeah, he might get that and that's it. So I can't imagine... No, no, not created by, but original characters by... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine that Paramount wants to do business with that man anymore. Uh, Next up. A 3D Sonic the Hedgehog series is in the works for Netflix, probably to uh, capitalize on the success of that film. I would assume so. You already have a digital Sonic the Hedgehog right there. Yeah, that's true. Next up, speaking of anime, Yu-Gi-Oh! Sevens, the current running and seventh canonical series in the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime franchise, aired its 28th episode called Training Camp Sushi Duel, which marked the franchise's 1,000 episode so there you say go. 100th <laughs> almost 100th but yes there's a whole lot more than that a uh, thousand episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh. of course they're still playing catch up with pokemon well yeah obviously <laughs> but this dates back to the year 2000 when the show first premiered yeah so, 1000 episodes is nothing to sneeze at no no in fact i don't recommend sneezing at anything we are in a pandemic right moving on <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lily James and Sebastian Stan are on board to play Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee in a new limited series for Hulu, going by the working title Pam and Tommy. What's that about? I don't. I shouldn't have to explain to you. Oh, you, you know, for everyone who <laughs> was born past 2000 who does not like, know who fine. they are. Yes, exactly. Uh, but for all of those olds here, yes, they were a notorious, infamous couple when they were a couple. And yeah, I'm sure there are stories to tell. So yes, it'll be an interesting series. Can't wait for the fedora hats. Yes, can't wait. Next up, Space Jam A New Legacy, the upcoming sequel to Space Jam, teaming up with Xbox to help you, des- or for you to help they're not helping you, you're helping them, design an arcade-style video game, which will launch with the game in 2021 as a little, I believe it's kind of a sweepstakes kind of setup. So you're yes. entering a ch- to wi- win a chance, basically, to have your idea implemented. Right, and then if you win, you get a character in the video game, and I think in the movie as well, Something possibly. Like um, but they did reveal a big plot, which is, if it's true that Space Jam A New Legacy will deal with cyberspace. Oh, a different I mean, kind of space. That would make some sense, uh, seeing as they already did the kind of space Outer thing space. first time. Yeah. All right. That's it for television news. That was a lot to get through. And we're not even halfway done with the show. So let's go into real quick. Did you see any television that you want to talk about in 2020? Or is are we on holiday break? On I'm TV. on holiday break, and I'm kind of yeah. mad that we're on holiday break because there's nothing yeah. new. 
So yeah, we watched all the fall shows. Fall shows are taking a break until the new year. I'm stuck on cooking shows, which means I see a lot of ads for Discovery Plus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Discovery Plus. Get Uh, ready. Yeah, if I'm not watching cooking shows or BattleBots, I'm (laughs) on a streaming service. Fair enough. All right, then let's in that case go right into cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? So you're no longer watching, oh no, you're still watching the Amber Ruffin show, which is Amber Ruffin's kind of spinoff of her role on Seth Meyers, which has been a Peacock exclusive. They're ordering 10 more episodes of that thing, so it'll keep on going. HBO is also bringing back Industry for a second season. Thank you for moving that down into the list. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale on Hulu is getting a fifth season. Always Sunny in Philadelphia will never end as the FF, as FXX is bringing it back for four more seasons that will bring the total count to 18. Yes, and as this was also announced during the Disney Plus, or not the Disney Plus show, the Disney Investors meeting, yeah. they are gunning for the Ozzy and Harriet uh, sitcom. It could happen. It could happen. It's going to happen. Next up, Disney Plus uh, is bringing back the Nat Geo show Genius, which is previously uh, focused on, um, who were the first two on the Genius show? It was... Yeah, the first one was, was Einstein, Einstein, and then it and was... Picasso. Picasso. Well, next up is Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, for the fourth season of that show. So we're missing uh, that, one. That is ahead of its third season, which will still premiere on Nat Geo. Nice. Um, which, yeah, which is... I believe they did a, a woman this time, right? Um, we've talked about them doing yes, their week. we talked about it. Maybe that's what it I is. I think they actually did it, though. That's okay. We can move on. Uh, Transplant on NBC will be getting a second season. But Hulu has canceled Hellstrom after just one season of that show. Apple TV Plus is bringing back Servant for a third season. It's Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, that's right. We did report on that. Yeah. And TBS will be bringing back Full Frontal with Samantha Bee for a sixth season as well. Meanwhile, on Disney Plus, they have decided against uh, the Lizzie McGuire reboot, as that has been canceled before it has premiered. Yeah, they're not going forward with it. It got stuck in pre-production because they could not agree on what they wanted to do with it. (laughs) So they're just canceling it. Sorry, everyone who thought that was going to happen. We didn't need a Lizzie McGuire reboot. It's not what we need. All right, that's it for cancellations and renewals. Just a couple of quick deaths uh, before we continue on. We have Carol Sutton, age 76, an actress in Steel Magnolias, Ray, and Monsters Ball. And then Tommy Lister Jr., age 62, an actor uh, from the movie Friday, The Fifth Element, No Holds Barred, but most importantly, a professional wrestler for years. Um, So the wrestling community lost another one this week. Yes, he was the uh, galactic president in The Fifth Element mm-hmm. and Debo in Friday, which Sweet. is where Debo Sanders Samuels gets his name. That makes so, sense. Uh, the wide receiver. I see. Debo's not his actual name. That's a nickname right. that he it's just nick- goes by. <laughs> All right. Also helping my fantasy team early. <laughs> he did until he got injured in the first play. Ooh, yikes. You hate to see yeah, that. Yeah, no, because he got injured, I lost that game. <laughs> I had a replacement for him. I had a replacement. He just, it was like, he's like, I'm going to play. I'm in. Perfect. You get the start. <laughs> and then he gets injured. He pulls up short Oof. on the hand, pulling his hamstring, and doesn't go back in the game. 
Yikes. So mad. So mad. I know what will make you not mad, though, is we'll switch over to music, and you get to talk about Billboard. Hey, we always start music with the Billboard, and we always start the Billboard with the Hot 100. And we thought it was going to happen last (laughs) week. It's happening this week. Mm -hmm. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Number one song, go buy yourself another house with that song. (laughs) And number two, Mood by 24 Golden featuring Ian Dior. Uh, Three, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. And four, Positions by Ariana Grande. And rounding out your top five, Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. It's definitely Christmas time. It's it's Christmas. Can you tell? <laughs> well, as for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, Wonder by Shawn Mendes is your number one album this week. Followed by last week's number one, El Ultimo Tour del Mundo by Bad Bundy. At three, Positions by Ariana Grande. And you know it's Christmas time because <laughs> Christmas by Michael Bublé is number four. And My Gift by Carrie Underwood is number five. Hey, remember when I talked about My Gift back in November? Yeah, finally caught up to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't like any of those albums, we have new releases. <laughs> Thank God. Well, well, we have two releases. Two new releases, because as with television, music releases are dried up until the new year, pretty much. Pretty much. I think we're going to hit like one more week and then that's it. Yeah, I think we have maybe one more on the calendar. Right. Uh, we have Weather Remixes by Tycho and McCartney 3 by Paul McCartney. Yes, yeah. that Paul McCartney. All right, let's get into some music news, shall we? And we start with Billie Eilish as yeah. she dropped a new trailer for Billie Eilish, colon, The World's a Little Blurry which is a new documentary about the bad guy singer and songwriter, which will premiere in theaters on February, 2021, but also on Apple plus TV, (laughs) Apple TV plus (laughs) the film is directed by award-winning filmmaker, RJ Cutler. It definitely sounds like a football player. Well, you're thinking of Jay Cutler. (laughs) So this is R.J. R. R's. He's R.J. Cutler. R for Theatar. (laughs) Who previously turned his camera on the world of high fashion with the September issue and politics with the war room. While Eilish is just 18 years old, the film has been in the works for several years. While embedded with the singer's tour in October of 2019, a variety reporter witnessed a film crew following the singer virtually everywhere and was told the crew was working on an unspecified quote documentary that has that hasn't been announced yet. <laughs> Reports of the Apple TV deal began to emerge last December. A source said the crew had been following Eilish for many months, possibly as far back as 2016. So behind the scenes of a Billie Eilish tour. Does this sound like something interesting enough to check out? Yes, if this wasn't already kind of something that existed. (laughs) 
every year for the past, I think, four years now, Vogue has done a Where Are You Now spotlight on Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. So you can, they're available on YouTube. They're like 20 minute interviews. Well, I don't think they're like hour interviews, but cut down to 20 minutes of her, of like what she accomplished that year, what she wants to accomplish next year, things, her growth for the past four years. Yeah. But this is kind of different though, because you'll get to see some of the behind the scenes of her actual tour. You get to see her interact with her tour mates, you know, maybe some of the songwriting process as she is working on new music. Um, So yeah, I think there's potentially interesting things to do. It's important to note that this is kind of a season um, of uh, music documentaries on streaming service as we get on Friday I believe uh, this week, I think we get the Ariana Grande one on Netflix. So, so yeah, a lot of plenty of uh, concert slash behind the scene concert films uh, coming to streaming services very soon. Yeah. I mean, filming concerts has been kind of the normal now, not mm-hmm. just the concert itself, but filming behind right. the scenes. Yeah. It's cool. I Could mean, be it has been really done cool. before, but with like larger artists who go on larger tours. Yeah. I think since 2009 with Michael Jackson's passing, mm-hmm. you've seen it kind of become a lot more commonplace to have someone going around on tour to film and document everything. Yeah, and in a year like 2020, where people have been uh, robbed of the chance to see their favorite artists in concert in person, as we'll talk about in our next story, um, it's a really cool thing to be able to watch something that's so intimate and so close up with your favorite artists. Well, might be your favorite artist. She's not my favorite artist. Well, she's not mine either, but you know what I mean. Yes. It <laughs> could be your listeners' favorite artists. Uh, what you filmed on in concert. Yeah. But there were no concerts in 2020. Which brings us to our next story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The global live events industry lost more than $30 billion. dollars. So that's like... That's like almost that's almost thirty um, uh, crunchy rolls. <laughs> yes, that is thirty crunchy rolls, or <laughs> one tenth of actually, not one tenth, five percent of the possible coronavirus relief fund. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, be, yeah, due to the pandemic, uh, including nine point seven billion dollars at the box office according to year-end reports by live entertainment industry trade publication Polestar. At the top of the year, the industry was projected to hit a record-setting $12.2 billion at the box office in 2020, but instead incurred $9.7 billion in box office losses after the industry effectively shut down completely in March. The projected $30 billion plus dollar figure includes unreported events, ancillary revenues, including sponsorships, ticketing, concessions, merch, transportation, restaurants, hotels, and other economic activities tied to the live events, according to the report. Yeah. So just that one industry affects a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see travel on here too, but that's a big one. Well, I guess transportation. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we don't need to really put too much of a hard edge on it. We've been talking about it since March that the concert industry and venues and touring artists have all been massively hit by this. And yeah, so it makes sense to see these numbers be as big as they are. Uh, and yeah, we're still waiting on our government to give us some sort of semblance of assistance for those people who are out of work here in the music industry and it's just not happening. Not happening in the numbers that we need uh, to see actual change. Um, so yeah, uh, here's to the hope that 2021 will bring a rosier, uh, rosier outlook for these people, for these uh, venues, and for the people who enjoy seeing live music, because we're all just kind of waiting for help. Right, but also know that people are starved for a concert venue setting that yeah. may not exactly be the right thing you want to go to. Right? No, don't gate. do it right now. Uh, I'm saying that maybe on the other end of this, maybe a year from now, uh, going into 2022. When, yeah, going into 2022, maybe we'll be able to revisit a lot of these places and venues if they still exist. That's the problem. Without assistance, these places are going to close. So we'll see what happens. Um, this is why there's a huge push for rent freeze and mortgage freeze and yes. bank freezes. Yep. But they're not doing it. So fingers crossed that we see some sort of change happen um, with a possible with a with some possible uh, new administration in office in January. Let's say, maybe. Oh, didn't you see? That may not happen. <laughs> depends on who you ask. Yeah, it depends on who you ask. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's stop talking about that. Did you listen to anything this week? Oh, I listened to one thing and one thing only. So yeah, we kind of buried the lead here. You'll notice it wasn't one of our big stories, but probably bigger than those two music stories was the story that Taylor Swift done did it again. Um, after kind of surprising really everybody by surprise releasing Folklore earlier in the pandemic, she decided, eh, you know what? I wrote some more songs. Why don't you have these too? And dropped a surprise album called Evermore on midnight on uh, Friday morning. Uh, so yeah, this is kind of a sister album um, that she's, is the way she's described it to Folklore. It's uh, produced with a lot of the same talent. So you see Aaron Dester from the National on here, as well as Jack Antonoff on a couple of tracks. And it was basically an extension of the sessions that she did with them for Folklore. Right. If you thought that they went and did the long pond sessions just for Disney Plus. <laughs> no. Or just for streaming. No. No. They they were working during that time they were as well. Working turns out. Uh, so I have some thoughts about this thing, but I want to get your take first. So uh, oh, my take is going to be short and sweet. Okay. So what did you think about Evermore? Well, it goes back into what I thought of with folklore. Okay. Every song on this album is a banger. <laughs> Every song on on folklore is a hit. Where's the filler? Oh. Here's the filler. Oh, okay. They put it in Evermore. I feel like the only songs that I really like on this album are the first two songs. Okay. And judging by your tone, we're having different opinions on this. Okay. All right. This is one way to start it. Yeah. I didn't I don't think you you thought this was gonna go this way. You thought you were you were gonna be all Rosie Taylor Swift does it again. Why does she keep writing? 
I'm oh, sorry. Wait, what did I put, say on Twitter? Yeah, you quoted why Hamilton. She, I quoted Hamilton. Why does she write yeah. like she's running out of time? So writing and writing. Okay, so that's very interesting. So why, why can you kind of put your finger on why it didn't work for you as well as folklore did? Because it's following folklore. Okay, so let's say beyond. Okay, here's here's my theoretical question for you because I feel like yes, you and a lot of the internet are grappling with the same issue, which is treating this as an individual second album by itself on its own merits is very hard to do when it's followed so followed folklore so close. Like a lot of people are having trouble, and I did initially as well, separating the two away from each other. And so it does seem like, oh, this is just more of what we got on folklore. So is that coloring your experience with this, where you're just like, you can't get the vibe of the first record out of your head to enjoy the songs here on their own merits no i think it's more that you're right that or she's right that this is (laughs) a sister album this does work as a one part two part kind of a full Mm -hmm. double album except yeah evermore is an hour long yeah so theoretically uh it's an album and a half so just as a (laughs) yeah it depends on the artist really um so uh just as a thought experiment, then, what if this had been released at the same time and you got basically a double album, a Taylor double album, with all of these songs together? Do you think that would have changed your opinion? Mm, depends on how they were ordered. But no, <laughs> most likely not. So I feel basically like- what I'm asking is, is the songs here, You so you're, you do not think that the songs here stand up to the songs on folklore do you think that individually no. as taylor swift songs, like i said you... outside from the first two songs on folklore mm-hmm. you mean on evermore on evermore sorry <laughs> it's gonna happen a lot yeah so yeah outside of like willow and champagne mm-hmm. problems okay i think coney island <laughs> and evermore are probably maybe cowboy like me like those are the ones that that stand out to me everything else kind of like falls by the wayside so my favorite songs because folklore is kind of better than a lot Mm. of the songs on here so my favorite songs on this record are all the ones you didn't mention (laughs) okay so here's kind of in my my kind of roller coaster ride with this record so I listened to it right when it was released at nine o'clock here Pacific. Right, you're doing Thursday a live night. tweet with it. I did some live tweets with it because I was like, okay, I need to see immediately what this is. And yeah, my initial thought was, okay, this sounds really close to folklore. I'm having trouble differentiating a lot of these ideas from the ones on folklore. And it did. Yes, I did initially have that re- that gut reaction, which was, these seem like B-sides. This seems like the, you know, the Carly Rae Jepsen approach of let's just release all the rest of the songs we recorded that maybe weren't good enough to be on the first album. But as I listened to it more and more and more and more and more, it started becoming its own animal for me. And it has now completely separated from the folklore, uh, like, connection. Like, they, they exist as two separate entities in my head now. And their, the nuances of these songs can have kind of showed themselves over the course of multiple listens. I genuinely think that there are moments on this thing 
that are better than the like that are better than the highs of folklore. Like I think there's a really I think folklore is the more focused record. Yes, I think also it's going to matter to a lot more people more just because of the surprise and the uh, the originality of hearing it when it was new. Because yeah, when we everybody listened to the folklore the first time, they were like, oh. Okay, all right, this is where we're going now, Taylor. Okay, cool. And Evermore is just never going to have that because it's followed folklore and it's so close in vibe. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Right, exactly. A lot of people are going to have that problem, as I mentioned. But if you, I feel like if people give this thing its own time, um, it, show, it does grow and it's a grower. It shows itself over a, a longer period of time. I think the reason why a lot of these songs work in the way that um, some of the stuff on folklore um, maybe flirted with, but didn't go all the way with is that she's being even more experimental with some of the sounds that she's playing around with here. She really goes hard on stuff that, like I said, she only kind of touched on, on folklore. I think she's completely leaned into the influence of Aaron Dessner to the point where the national, all of the national shows up on the Coney Island track. Mm-hmm. Uh, for better or for worse. I mean, people are kind of probably going to listen to that. If they don't like the national, they're going to immediately reject it, which I totally understand, but it's growing on me and I'm not a national fan, but I'm like, okay, I can see, I can see this. I can see where they're coming from with this, but then there's moments on this thing that sound like nothing that Taylor's ever done before. Um, so my highlights are the, one of the Jack Antonoff tracks, um, gold rush, which is the third track on the record. Yeah. blew me away the first time I listened to it. I think it's amazing. I think it's part and parcel with, it's kind of like a sequel track to Mirrorball. It has some of the same kind of production. and But it's got that August kind of kick in the chorus, which of course are both Jack Antonoff tracks off of Folklore. So it makes sense. Those are like a trilogy for me now, where it's like they just feel like they're connected. And I think it's maybe one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs she's ever written. And then the hits don't stop coming after that. I really think there's genuinely great stuff in the back end of this record too. I think Long Story Short is fun because it combines kind of her pop song. It's the one time that it feels like a Taylor uh, Taylor pop song on this record, which is something that Folklore had like none of. It actually lets her kind of exercise that pop songwriting again, but in the Aaron Dester style. So you could see her doing this in like big blown out 1989 style but you can also see it here and i think that's another like i think people are going to miss it because it's kind of towards the back of the record and beyond the national duet i think the other two duets here are really strong themselves nobody no crime which is has haim as backup i think is one hilarious because sd haim is on it and basically just is is singing back up on a song about her own mur- her own murder which is a, just just a weird idea <laughs> and then it turns into goodbye earl at the end it's great like what are they doing it's like that's the thing it's like i feel like this is okay so we both watched the long pond sessions thing on disney plus right right there's a moment in that thing where taylor one of the things she said she loved about the folklore experience, the experience recording folklore was that it gave her a freedom where that she didn't have before. And both that's both in the sound of the music, but also she talks kind of at length on the, at that, in that documentary about 
the ability to kind of tell these stories about other people and kind of ending the autobiographical era of Taylor Swift's music. And I think that is in full swing here. Almost every song on this thing is about somebody that's not Taylor. And Nobody, No Crime is a great example of that. She's able to put herself into these other characters, uh, which is something that she hasn't really played along, uh, around with a lot before. Uh, but then, uh, like I said, experimentally, I think uh, there's a lot more of those experiments. Um, and the last thing I'll just really quickly say uh, that I think is a really cool promise of the future is that I think the most interesting sonic experiment she does here is on one of the last tracks, uh, Closure. Um, there's this electronic-y like, feedback in the background, and she actually like has this like a, her, transforms her voice through a filter as well in parts of the song, and I'm like, whoa! Like when I heard that for the first time, I was like, okay, so Taylor's trying a little Charlie XCX here. She's getting into hyperpop, like a little grimesy, and I'm like, I never thought I would ever see her playing around with that kind of palette. And so the fact that she does all of these things in a record that seems like could have been just tossed off B-sides to folklore is to me why I think this thing matters and I think is as important as good of an album as folklore is. In fact, if I was to reround the clock and do another version of our end of the year list. Which we still can. Which we could, but I really don't want to do that all again. <laughs> so we should do the, the, the last part. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay because... That is, I think that's fine because I think the like our publication, as long as along with a lot of other publications, published before Evermore was released, and that's just mm -hmm. how it is going to be. Uh, but if I had been able to do that list again, it would be on my top five because I think it's that strong. I mean, folklore is going to be the one with the legacy, it's going to be the one that left the impression. Evermore is going to be a footnote, but I don't think it's a footnote that people should miss out on and dismiss. Is all that's my take. That's all I'm saying. I think there's really great, cool, experimental things happening on this record that you don't get from folklore. So you think that in discography future historians, <laughs> folklore will be the one that people point to as the turning point for Taylor, but it's really evermore? No, I don't. I think it's going to be more complicated and nuanced than that, because that, that was kind of the story when folklore came out, is people were like, is this a pivot? Is this what, what Taylor is going to do from here on out? And I think the truth is, is I think this is just an era of Taylor. I think this is just her experimenting with things now that she has the freedom to do so. I think we're going to see Lover as this bridge from pop Taylor into whatever the hell she wants Taylor. I think that's the pivot. And I think that means that from now on, she becomes one of those artists like, like David Bowie, like Beyonce, like we're never gonna quite know what she's gonna do because now she has the freedom to do whatever she wants kanye she's kanye yeah but the thing is about kanye is that kanye did like a little bit of experimentation but never left the genre he was in i mean yes you could call the gospel record different genre but we wrote him off before that happened so it didn't matter <laughs> no what i'm saying is like that's a there's a special echelon there that i think taylor now belongs to where she's completely freed herself from genre. I, if you played any song from Evermore or Folklore, I would not be able to tell you what genre that is. I think she operates outside of genre now. She's not a pop artist. She's not a country artist. 
she's whatever the, she, the hell she wants to be. So what's the opposite of the mono genre? But no, that's what I'm saying is that is the mono genre, right? Is because the absence of genre is what is whatever. And the everything becoming one thus eliminates genre. So no, I think you're right. Bringing up the mono genre, she become, she's become it. She doesn't have to play by the rules of the industry anymore. She is her own industry. She did the Beyonce thing. Okay, I'll wait for her own streaming <laughs> platform with her husband. Future husband. Future husband. Not, they're not even engaged yet. <laughs> I mean, she said on Lover that she would marry him with paper rings, but that hasn't happened. Hey, I like that song. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not saying anything bad about paper rings. I like that song too. Anyways. <laughs> so, okay, interesting. All right. We're finally done. Uh, I just want to really quickly talk about something else I listened to this week because I wanted to bring it up because it's something that you, specifically you and uh, and your doctor, need to listen to very soon. I'm not sure if you've heard of the country artist Haley Witters. Mm, let me... Probably not. The name does not ring the bell. I checked this out... Um, thanks to a year-end list over at Stereo, Stereo Gum, and they named this their number one al- country album of the year. And every year I try to like list, listen to some of those because I'm like, oh, maybe I'll like some of this. And it is 100% something you guys would really get into. Um, she's kind of, like, vocally, she reminds me of Casey Musgraves, but, like, style-wise, she gets more into that, like, she basically oscillates from pop mode to classic country mode. And so, yeah, she's got a little bit of Marin Morris in there, a little bit of Miranda Lambert in there. And I think it's a really, really strong record. And I think you guys would really enjoy it. So I just wanted to quickly toss that out. Okay. The Dream. Yeah. It's very good. All right. I will check that out. Okay. All right. Are we done that, with, with music? Note, I think we are done with music unless you listen to anything else. Nope, like I said, I've listened to Evermore probably four or five times. And it still Sorry. doesn't, still nothing, nothing pops up on you? Those first, two, those first two. I mean, Champagne Problems is good, Willow is good, but I just don't, I don't think they're as good as, like, Gold Rush and, I don't, I don't know. I don't I, know I, so, so I put this album up against Folklore. On, on like shuffle and I still like folklore better and it may be because I've listened to it more that I'm more that's the thing with. is I wonder if that's going to be the case it's just like some it's been on such heavy rotation for people that's going to be hard for them to add right. to it what I would recommend is something that I did what I, I did is I made a playlist called Everlore where yeah. I combined the two but I mix up the tracks in a order that I feel like 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 evens it out little bit more and i'm really enjoying that version of it because i do believe that they complement each other in a way that it does in my mind i think she should have just done this as a double a, du- a double album all right so look out for folklore <laughs> no ever lore it's different oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyways let's move on all right uh, let's start wrapping this up <laughs> we'll try we'll try <laughs> Uh, with video games, because oh my god! <laughs> so we mentioned last week the video game awards. Mm-hmm. Well, first new release, yes. Super Meat Boy Forever for the PC. That's it. That's it. That's it. 
That's video it. game releases just like music and television done for the year. Yeah. And so there's two main stories that happened this past week. Yes. One was Thursday's The Game Awards, which we briefly alluded to, talking about it with Disney Investor Meeting. Mm-hmm. And then Cyberpunk 2077 also came out. So it did. dominated the news. Yes. And I would like to call this Cyberpunk Aftermath is kind of the way I would put this. Because, man, it came out. And if you thought launch week news for this thing was crazy, week after launch week had its own set of drama. The buildup was crazy. And you thought people like were so hyped for this game that there's no way you could meet expectations. And sure enough. What? It exploded. Exploded. So here's what's going on. All right. So here's what's going on with Cyberpunk 2077. As countless players are wondering how to get a Cyberpunk 2077 refund, <laughs> and there's no, I mean, you know, why now? Yeah. The game is incredibly buggy across all platforms. And while the PS4 and Xbox One versions are suffering the most, even PC players aren't impressed with the physics and gameplay bugs in the game. In a statement, CD Projekt Red has tackled the accusations of poor performance and bugs head-on, stating that, quote, they will fix bugs and crashes and improve the overall experience, end (laughs) quote. So, if you're considering refunding Cyberpunk 2077, it may be worth hanging on for a little while, because it sounds like the game will be in a better state soon, especially on consoles. Two large patches are coming in January and February, mm-hmm. but it's understandable if that is too long of a wait. Mm-hmm. CD Project Red issued an update on refund process for Cyberpunk 2077 through its automated help desk email this morning. Uh, The message is somewhat vague, but assures players that, quote, we'll get back to you as soon as possible, no later than by the end of 2020, (laughs) which is in two weeks. (laughs) Though it's automated help. Wait, I'm sorry. Uh, With information regarding the next steps. CD Projekt's update also touches on platform-specific refund processes and in totally different ways. It encourages Xbox owners seeking a refund on a digital copy to go through the usual Microsoft Store refund steps. In contrast, it (laughs) advises PlayStation owners looking to refund their digital copy to please wait for us to get back to you. (laughs) The wording regarding PlayStation copies of the game suggests that, as early reports indicated, refunding the game on PS4 and PS5 may be more difficult than it will be on Xbox consoles. As previously reported, players have received mixed messages from PlayStation customer support representatives, with some refunds being denied on the grounds that Cyberpunk no longer falls under the faulty content exception for digital games now that the company has promised to patch the game substantially in January and February. So here's the thing I will say about this is it's one thing to be like, okay, we need to do something. We need to say something to our fans. We need to get goodwill back on our side. So we need to 
potentially offer refunds for this game if people genuinely think that they need that it's not something that they should have bought for sixty dollars uh, sight unseen. Basically, if they they want to do the goodwill thing by reaching out and looking at least appearing as if they um, like are fixing the problem and resolving the issue by letting people have the freedom to get refunds if they want to. The problem is, is if you're going to do this, you have to communicate with the platform holders and they didn't do that. So what you have is CD Projekt Red being like, oh yeah, no, you can just get a refund. It's fine. And the actual uh, 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 platform holders are being like, wait, we weren't prepared for a mass exodus of people (laughs) trying to get their money back for for Cyberpunk. We were intending on Cyberpunk to get us a bunch of money too. Now we have to give a bunch of money back. Like, so it caught them off guard. Right, with no guarantees that that money's going to go back into the, those games or back to so that company. It's just a total mess. So not only is the game a total mess, but now they've dug themselves into a hole with the platform holders too. So this has just been a mess of a launch. On top of all this, you do have some kind of side stories that are developing here. As mentioned in this story, the PS4 and Xbox One base versions apparently run like total shit. So there's right. been a conversation about how did these games pass certification uh, for Sony and Microsoft? Well, CD Projekt Red made a bunch of promises that they would fix these bugs upon release. They didn't fix the bugs. That's going to be these future patches. So that's gonna that's a whole conversation that's happening right now. It's it's a total mess. Right. Remember when we talked about them doing crunch time? Yeah. And how they push the date back not once, not twice, but three yeah. times. Yeah. And it still comes out like this? It still comes out like this. The game was not done. And it wasn't going to be done until it looks like three more months of work. But they had to get it out before the end of the calendar year, presumably because of those pre-orders. And probably because of a lot of the retail stores relying on that revenue as well. So it was just a mess, just a cluster just a cluster of messes all together. Right. This is when like the higher ups kind of start dictating mm-hmm. you need to meet deadlines. Yeah. And we can't push this back any further because holiday yeah. season. So uh, kind of the conversation uh, today has culminated in CD Project Red looks really bad. All of this makes them look really, really bad. And so for as for a developer that was on such a high horse with Witcher 3 and so many people just devoted to that franchise and that game with the Netflix show and everything, they looked like they were going to be the next big thing. And to just throw all of that goodwill away by releasing a game way before it was done that has honestly only gotten middling reviews, that's going to do bad, like that's going to do some harm to the brand. That's going to really hurt any future work that you do. Yeah, ultimately in six months, Cyberpunk could could be all fixed up and will run great on everything. And we and people will be talking about, Hey, now is the time to get back to this, but that goodwill is already gone. It's already tarnished. A lot of people are going to be like, Oh yeah, I bought that game and it played like shit in the first week and I couldn't even finish it. And that's going to be their memory. And that's going to be what sticks. Right. But see what no man's sky did. <laughs> and you have a different story, but that's not the same thing though. That's not a good comparison because No Man's Sky played great when it came out. It played it had, exactly like they said it would. Yeah, the problem with No Man's Sky was that it didn't have enough to do until later. Here, you have the opposite problem. 
there's so much to do. There's such a big like emphasis on story and side quests here in Cyberpunk, but none of it works. If you can't play the game, and if you're constantly running into bugs, uh, somebody at, uh, over at uh, Giant Bomb had a bug at the last mission of the game. The lat the ending was messed up because of a bug. Like you cannot ship a game that has a bug in the last mission. He literally said he was like spent forty five hours playing this game and felt like it was all wasted because there was no delivery. There's no like Yeah, you can't have that. Yeah, no, it's there's so much that you can't have, and that's that's the difference. So this is not a no man's sky scenario. This is not even an anthem scenario. This is a different thing. This is you should not have released this game in this way because people cannot play it. Right. And like you said, this could destroy a lot of goodwill that CD Projekt Red had built up with yeah. The Witcher 3. Yes. So, yeah, uh, it's just a mess. It this, sucks. Uh, this is also our, our, I guess, where we should always plug our PSA of <laughs> don't pre-order games sight unseen. Don't don't pre-order games, period. That's just what I have to say. Unless it's something that you know, like that's something super predictable, like a Pokemon game, don't pre-order a game because it's but going then, to burn people you. People will complain about a Pokemon game. <laughs> But like I think, but generally was, speaking, yeah, just don't pre-order. Like I don't know. I don't know. Like I pre-ordered Kingdom Hearts three, and I was happy with it. Yeah, but I did pre-order Melody of Memory because I uh-huh. didn't know about it. But just generally speaking, like, and even and the sad part here is that even reviews couldn't save you because those reviews were based on the PC version because CD Projekt Red specifically did not send out console versions to the mainstream sites. This is another problem. So there was no way for reviewers to write in their reviews about those versions of the game because they did not have access to them. So that's another wrinkle to this is I would say in a normal situation, don't pre-order, wait for reviews to hit. But in this case, you can't even guarantee that the reviews are going to be accurate. So yeah, just awful all around. Sucks for everybody I think involved for this kind of thing. And yeah, how much uh, else to say? On it. Um, this is also why I'm not asking people to get me it for Christmas. Yeah, no, no. It doesn't seem like anything that you should own quite yet. Yes, I've, I've had three different people ask me, hey, yeah. everyone said we talked about this game online. I was like, yeah, for bad reasons. <laughs> again, again, the, the marketing, you don't, like, doesn't always guarantee that the game that they're marketing is the one you're getting. Speaking of marketing games to a mass audience. Yes. We had the Game Awards on Thursday. Let's get through a lot of the stuff that came out. Yeah. All right. So all these are, looks like ads. So yeah, I've kind of like focused on the announcements here because that's the thing, the thing about the Game Awards. Yes, it's called the Game Awards, but really not about the awards. It's about the announcements. Right. And a lot of these, well, some were surprises. A lot of them were expected. Yeah. Like, the new Mass Effect teaser. We knew this was coming. Yes. We knew they had to announce it. The only weird thing about this one is that it was on the tail end of those uh, of major leader uh, leadership leaving Bioware. Mm-hmm. So to have those things kind of dovetail with each other in the same week, not great if you're Bioware. But still, neat to see that they're bringing back Mass Effect. Yeah. Uh, we also have Master Chief in Fortnite, which... <laughs> basically makes that thing smash brothers for all <laughs> yeah pretty much there's nothing that's not in fortnite at this point 
uh, Nintendo. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Just give it a week. <laughs> we also have Evil Dead, the game. Yeah. Outriders. Super Meat Boy Forever. Which comes we out today. Yep. Arc 2, starring <laughs> Vin Diesel. Yeah, which for a while in this uh, trailer, I definitely thought this that he was going to be in um, Horizon 2. <laughs> right, that's what I thought it looked like, too. <laughs> but then it wasn't. And it was the, the sequel the to Ark. Triangle. I was like, oh, wait, no, yeah. that's Ark. It's Ark. When I saw the dinosaur, I was like, oh, this is Ark. Right. Uh, we also have Season. Yeah, which seems kind of cool. Uh, very cel-shaded kind of art style. It's a little indie game. Mm-hmm. Swedish Chef coming to Overcooked, colon, All You Can Eat. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Like, that's a cute little it's, idea. It was hilarious. I was just see Swedish Chef pop up. I was like, oh, that's Swedish Chef. Yeah. Uh, we also have Crimson Desert. Yeah, which I think is like some sort of massively, some sort of MMO in like a medieval kind of setting. I want to say with the name that it may be related to that Black Desert online game. Uh, I think they might be the same people. Okay. We also have Endless Dungeon. Yeah, kind of like a, a roguelike kind of style thing. Disco Elysium, colon, the final cut. Yeah, that's a really re-release of last year's Disco Elysium with full voice acting and eventually uh, console releases uh, by next summer. Dragon Age, a new yeah. Dragon Age. Yeah, the, the, the another teaser, uh, still not showing any uh, gameplay for that, but that will be the next Bioware game before the next Mass Effect. That's their next big release. A uh, new Warhammer 40k Dark Tide. Yep, sequel to... Vermin tie, which was I think two years ago. Mm-hmm. Unreal Tournament weapon set for Warframe. Yeah, I don't know. This wasn't really big news, but I wanted to put it in here because it happened. <laughs> uh, the Callisto Protocol. This seems neat. So if you're a fan of the Dead Space games from the 360 PS3 era, the dude who done made those Dead Space games for EA is now on his own team and making this, which looks like kind of a spiritual successor to that. Also, Weird thing about this game, it's in the PUBG universe. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, apparently it takes place like hundreds of years after Player Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and is in that same. If it takes context. place hundreds of years later, does it really count? <laughs> I know, right? It's such a weird idea. I don't even know why they bother saying that it takes place in the PUBG universe, but it does. Well, it's like saying Assassin's Creed takes place in our world. When <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like in like 1280. Does it really count? <laughs> yeah, it's like those people are like, oh, Watch Dogs is the Assassin's Creed universe. It's like, who cares? How is They're so far matter? away from each other. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we also have Hood, colon, Outlaws and Legends. Which I thought for for a second was a multiplayer Assassin's Creed game, but no, the Hood in this case is Robin Hood and is that kind of setting for a multiplayer game. Yeah. We also have Perfect Dark. Yes, finally. Uh, that's The Initiative, which is a Microsoft-funded studio uh, doing that, uh, a reboot of sorts for the Perfect Dark series. I really like that first game, and I'm excited to see what they do. Yep, and Back for Blood. Yes, which is a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead, as the name might imply. Which mm-hmm. So this is four-player uh, zombie shooting. Yep. And lastly, or should I say firstly, because this <laughs> yeah. basically started the yes, game. This, is rever- this list is in reverse. It's inverted. Yeah. It's like Tenet. It just goes backwards and forwards. Exactly like Tenet, yeah. Um, just exactly like words. Tenet, because Christopher Nolan will show up in a second. Yes. As <laughs> Sephiroth. Um, yes. makes its way into Smash Brothers. 
yeah, everybody thought this was going to be Sora. And when it was oh, Sephiroth, Sora everybody was, was like, hard yeah, the day yeah. prior. So when so, it was Sephiroth instead of Sora, everybody was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people were kind of more excited about it. I guess because they were kind of thrown more off guard by it. Yeah, I think that's maybe what it was. It's a surprise of it. Yeah. But yeah, Sephiroth and Cloud yeah. in Smash. Giant sword. Get ready. Giant sword. And uh, that was yeah. it for announcements. As for your actual award winners, mm-hmm. it was a clean sweep for Sony. <laughs> Yeah, more or less. Uh, there were some categories where The Last of Us did not win, but the big story here is that, yes, yeah, Last of Us Part 2... Toshima goes to Toshima 1 instead. Right, yeah, that's is true. It's a Sony game. So. Hades did win Best Indie and Best Action. I just want to say for, you know, for posterity that Media Boat favorite Hades did win some trophies. Yes. But Last of Us Part 2 took the big prize. Christopher Nolan announced the um, the Game of the Year, and yep, sure enough. Yep, Game of the Year, The Last of Us Part 2. Which, you know, we ex- we called this. We expected this to happen. Yes. Well, we also we expected it to be between Last of Us Part 2 and Hades as they were nominated basically head-to-head everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, well. yep. So, Last of Us Part 2 is the 2020 Game yeah. of the Year. Game For the Game Awards. Um, yeah, Not overall, I thought words. it was kind of an underwhelming show this year. I didn't, there was no, I mean, it's hard to follow last year where they literally showed you the Xbox Series X. So the fact that they didn't have something of that caliber this year, uh, yeah, was kind of a lower, lower on the totem pole, but still, it was still an okay show. Right. And when you start off with Sephiroth and Smash, it can really only go down from there. And it you was, end with the Mass Effect teaser, which was, yeah, uh, really it was a big nothing for me. It was a big nothing because they didn't even have a name for it. They didn't even have any sort of semblance of. No, it was it was let's show up on a snow planet, show the N seven logo, <laughs> yeah, and then and oh, Liara, Liara is there, and then hard cut to black, <laughs> right, coming soon. <laughs> uh, real quick before we wrap up the game awards, I want to say one thing, which I'm I'm looking at this recap that I copied and pasted. It looks like this recap is missing a few things. One of the things that's missing is the thing that I'm most excited about is the new game from the team behind Gone Home and um, and the other game they did, um, Tacoma, uh, is Open Roads. And uh, it's kind of a, oh, yes. a road trip road trip looking game um, where Choose you're your own a, adventure. A, mom, a, a mom and a daughter. And that is probably the most exciting thing that was announced for me. Yeah, trying to cross the border or not cross the border, depending so on So that's a different play. game. No, that's the same game. So No, there were two games that were about roads. There was this one, Open Roads, and there was R- Road 45, 46 or something like that, which is the one you're thinking of, which is the one about fictional a fictional country and crossing the border. Both of which are not on this list. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, both seem neat, and they're both doing something different kind of approaches um but uh, yeah but anyway just wanted to shout those those out that was out real quick Mm. Uh, anything else we want to shout out then no i think that was pretty much it for the game awards all right uh then you played a game yeah real quick because we want to wrap up the show pretty much immediately um i I played a new mobile mobile game called suit up is it It a card game it is a card game hence the name but it's a card game meets uh match three 
yeah so it's like they made it for me and me only um so yeah it's basically like you have like uh, a deck you're you're uh putting cards down to match either suit or uh straight and they clear they clear when they do when you do that three or four across and you just do that until you either fill up the the grid that is a loss or if the thing that you're supposed to do, like the little mission that you're supposed to do, like match three of the same color or match three in a row, uh, if you fail to do that in a certain number of moves, then you lose. So those, that's basically the game. It's kind of weird and tricky when you first get into it, but once you get into a groove, it's really addictive. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. So match three with cards. Match three with cards. Uh, so that's suit up. Uh, that's probably on it. I don't know if it's on Android, but it's definitely on iOS. All right. Well, uh been playing more hades you said you beat the game i oh that's right yes i ran credits on hades this week um and today uh, uh yesterday last night i picked up again and did another clear so i am coasting right now with hades i, I finally got to the point where like it doesn't pose as much of a challenge as, anymore i have i almost had the spear which was the last one i need <laughs> last night oh man the spear and is, then, is great and then i lost at uh at the end of Elysium. Oh, yikes. I still haven't done a clear with the gauntlets. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the last only... one. So you don't have to clear with all the weapons? Just You do not three. have to clear. It's just 10 total. Uh, In fact, this I hope this is not a spoiler. It's not really a spoiler. The ninth one is technically your last real run because the 10th one, let's just say that there's a different way that it ends. Okay. So just expect that going into your 10th one. So it doesn't really matter what weapon you use in the 10th okay. frame. So I have five clears then. I'm working on that sixth okay. with the spear. Okay. Because, yeah, I've, because I've got I 11 clear now. all with all weapons. Yeah. So I'm in the post-game uh, part of Hades right now. And there's actually a surprising amount of stuff still to do. So I, it's cool that that game is like, just keeps going. All right. Uh, and with that, I played a little bit of Genshin Impact. And mm-hmm. then I downloaded... Just cause for just cause, just cause. Well, because I was done with um, the Shadow of War, the free game right. for PS Plus. Right. So I'm downloading that, and oh yeah, I played the new um, Winter Pack level, season three for Fall Guys. Oh, cool! It's fun to jump back into that every now and then. Yeah, especially when they do new updates like that. But no, that's not the, not like the first season where I'm going to like grind out all yeah. forty levels. You don't need to. I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> no, nope. I'm just popping it out when I, when I have like an hour to play and just want to play something mindless or good plan. Like I did, listen to a new album. Yeah, same. Because I put all those settings on that to zero music, zero sound, <laughs> zero FX. So I'm just run Spotify through the PlayStation yep. and listen to an album while I play. Yep, it. it's perfect for that. Yep. Or oh, a podcast right. like this. Yes, or a podcast on Spotify like this which we get to wrap up now. Uh, that will do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week for even more news and thoughts, so get ready for that. In the meantime, here are the plugs. You can listen to this podcast in video form or audio form. Video form, if you want to see our faces, you can go on to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast. Yes, faces just like the one Mike made just now. Um, you can only see those on YouTube, so go search YouTube for Media Boat Podcast and find us find our channel, subscribe, like the usual stuff. You can also find us in audio form. Traditional podcast listening can be found on all sorts of podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of the rest 
we're on there. Just search Media Boat Podcast. There, you can also listen to our Media Boat Podcast wrap-up episodes. Our year-end wrap-up stuff is coming very soon, last week of the year, so get ready for that. You can find those exclusively on our podcast feeds. We're also on social media, Media Boat Podcast, at Media Boat Podcast, or no, at Media Boat Cast is our Twitter handle. Twitter. Uh, Media Boat Podcast, search that on Facebook and find our page. You can find us on um, email by emailing us questions, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Are some of our writing at mediaboatpodcast.com. And yeah, I think that'll do it. Yep. So that's it for us. We'll be back next week with more news and thoughts. And yep. that would be, yeah, 23rd, right before Christmas. Yes. So. Stay tuned for Christmas our Eve, Eve. Christmas Eve, Eve podcast, Media Boat podcast next week. But until then, we are gone. Have a good week. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye-bye.